Is that Sanford and Son? No, uh, Sanford and Sons is. No, that's not right. No, it's uh, not. Oh, that's Austin Powers. That's Austin Powers. Powers. Uh, there, <laughs> there is an Austin Powers themed bar in Glendale. I know, we should go. I've been in there. Jesse oh, really? And I, yeah, Jesse and I went in there. Just like, it wasn't. Well, it's like they just opened, so there's like nobody. Oh, uh, okay. Like, she knows somebody works there. But yeah, it was interesting. There it is. Sweet. I used to watch that a lot when I was a kid. I have never seen it. It's such a good show. I am culturally aware of Sanford and Sons. I'm, I'm not. I'm culturally aware of many, many things that I have not seen. I know mm. I know the general premise of Sanford and Sons. I know I'm coming it's Elizabeth. It's Son, by the way. Sanford and Sons. It's right. one son. About I'm coming Elizabeth. I don't know that. That's his catchphrase. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, I'm coming, Elizabeth. Oh, so good. Is it about uh, Sanford and his son? It is. It is. They run a junkyard. Junk shop. Oh, yeah. I, w- I would have gone just, law office. But. Oh, no. It's much better. And it's a, I know about them because of King's Quest, not King's Quest, Quest for Glory 3. Oh. Because they're, uh, they make cameos in that game. There really? Are some, there are some junk, <gasps> junk shop sellers in this Arabian uh, theme that are just randomly Sanford and Son. That's so cool. And depending on what day you go to the bazaar, you'll either meet his son or you'll meet him. So is Sanford his first name? No. No, last name. Last name. Most, very okay. few... Very few businesses that are and son start with, like, first name. Right, I know, but doesn't that seem weird? Fred and son. Because there's too many Freds. Well, but they're both Sanford, so it shouldn't just be Sanford and Sanford. I mean, like, why does the son not get a name? He does, it's Sanford. I because know. then when his father dies and his son takes over, it's still Sanford still and son. Still Sanford But what if son. it's a daughter? I mean, did anyone think of that? How misogynistic are Oh, daughters don't own businesses. Yeah, they can't that. be part of the business uh, yeah. owning the thing. Because or not gender non-binary. I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, you've gone too far. <laughs> Have Sa- I? Sanfords. <laughs> there you go. The Sanfords. Yeah, but then that's just like a home. Well. Welcome to the Sanfords. It's such a good show. Though. The Sanfords it, it actually is. I remember watching it as a kid and I was like, I laughed a lot and then I watched it again like a few years ago and I'm like, this is actually, this stands up pretty well. It's pretty decent. Did you guys have shows that you would watch as a kid where you were like, it's fine? Yes. For me, it was Beverly Hillbillies because it would always come on. Um, it was, I, I, I'm trying to remember, it was like some sort of weird mid-afternoon block where it was either Adam's Family or Beverly Hillbillies. And I was like, come on, Adam's Family. And then it'd be Beverly Hillbillies. And I'd be like, ugh, fine. I, I did that. I don't remember all the shows I did that with. I remember The Munsters was one of them that would come on. And I was always like, isn't this supposed to be The Adam's Family? It's not The Adam's Family. The Adam's Family was always better because they, right. they were creepier. The Munsters well, were just like a normal sitcom family who were monsters. Also, The Munsters, I always thought, was just a knockoff of Adam's Family. I mean, I don't know if it was. It may have been the other way around or neither of those. I didn't watch either, so I can't say. Well, it just, I think it was actually in the 60s, just monster stuff was popular. That's why there's so many freaking monster surf music songs from that time (laughs) period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, man. Halloween radio mixes during that time of year are just nothing but nonstop. Like, it was a surfing Frankenstein. (laughs) It's that, and then it's uh, Nightmare Before Christmas music. It's those two things alternating and the occasional Michael Jackson song. Which is just a thriller, but I mean, let's be honest, there's no other Michael Jackson song they (laughs) play during Halloween. I mean, they try. It's not like they play Man in the Mirror. Right. 
Were you going to try and get us to start the show? <laughs> Is that what that was? Speaking of mirrors, uh-huh. remember when you looked at yourself in the mirror just before you got on the plane to Keep go to going. Gen Con? Oh, yeah. No, wow. but because cool. Good. Yes. Yes. I, I was going to use Thriller, and then you kept on going. I was like, I have to use Mirror now. All right. Here we are. Mirror. I did it. Hey, everybody. We're Experience Pointers, and we are a group of RPG players and people who hate surf and monster songs. Uh-huh. So, about, so much. Uh, my name's Grav. My name is Jordan. I'm Megan. Cool. And we are... Experience. Experience. No, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say, we are going to talk about... I mean, it very much seems I like did you lead studying. you on there, didn't yes, I? You did. You did. We are going to talk about Gen Con. Yes. We are fresh that. off the heels of Gen Con, yes, and we so we are going to talk about uh, Gen Con and you... And us. Oh, right. well, can I say the first thing before we get into this that we should talk about is, uh, what does Gen Con stand for? No, 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 no. That's no? not the first thing Come before on. we get into all of this. The very first thing we have to address before we get into all of this is our sponsor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. This week's episode of Experience Pointers is brought to you by Ben Danish. Yes. Mm. And Ben Danish, as, as per usual has sent us a pun of the sode. All right, I'm ready. So this is the pun of the sode from Ben Danish. What do you call a St. Bernard that can attack with two weapons? Mm, what do you call Saint a St. Bernard? Bernard, Bernard that can attack with two weapons? And bark dexterous. That's pretty good. And bark dexterous. Okay. That's a tree that can attack with two weapons. That's pretty good. Can you top it? <laughs> I guarantee you're not going to get it. Really? Is it that tough? It's not that tough, but you're gonna. You're not going to get it. Hold on. Give me like. Give me like thirty more seconds. We I'll just cut this. this I'll is cut just this dead out. Air. This is dead air. Okay. All right. Go. A drool wielder. Oh God! No. I was on. Oh come on! Uh, I was on dual wield, but I was like, what would dual? Drool. Yeah. Uh, a drool wielder, cause Saint Bernard's as yo, you're famous right. in the Beethoven film oh, series. So sloppy dogs. Notorious so droolers. Gross. Sloppiest dogs. Drool wielder. So thank you very much, Ben Danis, for yes. your continued patronage of Experience Pointers. It was a good one. Now we can talk Tricky. about where Gen Con comes from. And I remember that I know this, but I have forgotten the answer. Tell us, Megan. Oh, well, um, I'm pretty sure it's because of where it originally began, which was in Lake Geneva, and it was kind of a joke. <laughs> there was the Geneva Convention. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it stuck, and now it's Gen Con. Yeah. But for a long time, I was like, gaming, entertainment. entertainment. <laughs> Nexus. Nexus. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> It certainly feels like it. Right. So what we're going to talk about is we are going to first talk about our personal experience at Gen Con this year Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the cool things we saw and got to do and some things that uh, we think are really neat about the convention if you're planning on going in the future. And then from there, we will segue to talking about some recommendations we have for Gen Con because Megan and I have been twice now. Grab, you've been three times, right? I have, yes. So we can let you know uh, the mistakes that we made when we went the first time and the things we have learned since then and some of the tips and tricks that we've picked up. Uh, if you haven't been before, or maybe you have been before, and maybe we know a couple things that you don't, although I highly doubt it, because <laughs> uh, some of those people are hardcore Gen Con attendees. Yes. And though these uh, things we're going to talk about are exclusive to Gen Con things, they do apply to most conventions as well. Sure, mm. sure. But Gen Con is kind of a, a bit of a unique convention as mm-hmm. far as uh, the conventions I've been to. Most of the conventions I've been to, I've been to Comic Con several times, uh, WonderCon, 
uh, things like that that are more like pop culture cons, um, and Gen Con feels really different from those to me. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, I, I've been to Comic-Con a fair amount of times, WonderCon a fair amount of times, and while I enjoyed them, they really were just kind of overwhelming and stressful, and I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't want to go, and I really just thought I didn't like conventions. But then we went to Gen Con for the first time, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, I was like, this is my place. Yeah. I finally found it. Yeah. Yeah, it is really interesting. But, uh, yeah. So let's let's jump in, and let's okay. talk about some of the cool stuff that we experienced or, or uh, got to do or saw this year at Gen Con. Well... Um, I mean, I, I would say one thing, what, one thing that I really like to do when I arrive at any convention is uh, to start by going down every aisle of the exhibit hall yeah. so just to see what's there. And Gen Con, you can pretty much do that in one day. You can, as long as you don't stick too long to any one location. Yeah, you can definitely make it up and down all the aisles, but you can't, you can just get a brief overview. If you want right. to look in depth at anything, you can't do that in one day. But yeah. it is like... It's a big haul. Yeah, but Gen Con is, is much more like, again, most of my comparisons are always coming off of Comic-Con and things sure. like that. Comic-Con is just, it's a city. I mean, it's, it's insane. Um, so to me, by comparison, Gen Con's so like manageable. Um, and also... Uh, I really, the, the stuff there, I mean, sort of like you said, we've been to a lot of pop culture conventions, but it's really neat to go to a convention that's so much more specific. And while I know that Comic-Con used to be more specific, it's definitely grown. Um, but Gen Con is still very much about games, board games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tabletop uh, RPGs. Um, I suppose they have some video game stuff, but not really. They're trading card games. Yeah, trading yeah, card games. Yeah, they don't have a lot of video game stuff on the exhibit hall floor, but there are definitely some mm-hmm. some video game things to be seen there. Blizzard was there for the... I believe that was their was first they? year this year. I don't oh. remember them the year before. Yeah, I, I think I think this was their first year at Gen Con. Um, but yeah, we can talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, but one thing that I really, really enjoy is uh, sort of the art, the art or the, the gaming adjacent thing. So it's like... There's often a, a lot of artists that are there, whether it's paintings, and of course, at Gen Con, there are a lot of artists who've done like Magic the Gathering cards and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, Or role-playing game book art. Like, there's yes, a lot of very, yes. you're like, I've seen this before. <laughs> right. Which is really cool. What, what's so cool about conventions like that is that you can go up and like, you can meet them. You can, they can sign the art that you buy. You can tell them, wow, I really like this art that you did on this card or in this book. Uh, it's just it's just a really cool experience. It kind of it, it puts it, it frames everything in a different way. You kind of look at it in a different way, and mm-hmm. I just think that's really cool. But also, what I really like are the not just that, but there's like jewelry you can buy that you know is like nerdy jewelry. Like I got mm-hmm. some really cool Harry Potter jewelry, um, and I also a lot of dice related jewelry too. A lot of dice. <laughs> a lot of really cool go things figure. being done with also, dice. Also, that's another thing because like when you go to like again, Comic-Con or something like that, there's often a Chessex booth, right? Mm-hmm. So you can go and buy you know, Chessex die, and there might be a few other little ones here and there. But at Gen Con, there are so many dice booths, and they are super cool. Yeah, and there's so many cool multiple guys. Chessex booths. Multiple yes. Chessex Three. booths. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of companies that have multiple dice booths there, yeah. like just to really catch you in multiple places on the floor. But if you want dice of pretty much any type, uh, that's a pretty yeah. good place to go. Yes. Uh, there's so, there's got Spencer. the solid metal... Yeah. Uh, yes, expensive, cheap. cheap, 
gemstone dice, uh, like mm-hmm. cut from literal gemstones. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's pretty awesome. But I will say one one thing that was uh, was really interesting are all the corsets that are being sold. Now, this could probably be true of any convention, but it's a little bit more manageable to me here. And I've never actually tried one, but uh, I I went over to one of the corset booths because I was like, let's just see what this is all about. And there weren't many people there, so you they, just wanted to check prices. That's I all did. you wanted. You're right. I did. And they were like, well, you don't, do you want to be sized for one? And I was like, oh, sure. Well, that would be helpful. At least I can know what size I was. But that means, like, they're going to put a corset on you. Right. Uh, they did. And I turned it, like, that was the scariest experience of my life. Because he puts the corset on. And then he starts to pull it tight. And it was like, whoa, that's tight. And then it makes another pull. I'm like, oh, no, it's even tighter. And then that went on, like, ten times. Yeah. Where I was like, there's no humanly possible way that this can can be like this that my body can do this this just doesn't make sense i have to say your facial expressions <laughs> when he was putting that corset on you were very priceless yeah. <laughs> extremely priceless you got some photos but they do not do her justice no exactly. you should have done video but uh yeah those are up on my social media accounts it was also before. very weird because uh, a lot of your body that seemed like important parts <laughs> of your body disappeared yeah um because uh-huh. he, he tied that stuff real tight yeah he did it was too tight yeah. too tight I feel but like if he wanted to sell it to you, he shouldn't have just made you want to die. Like, I feel like it would have been a better pitch if he was like, it's yeah. a little tight. But it could go tighter if you want. Yeah, probably would have been better, especially for someone who'd never put one on right. before. But I think he was going more for the look than he was the comfort. Sure. That would be my guess. Which is what corsets are all about. No yeah. one's like, oh man, I just want to just lounge around the house today in my <laughs> comfort clothes. Where's my corset? <laughs> it is actually surprising, though, how many people like wear corsets for numerous reasons. Like, mm. they wear them for weight loss. Uh, I mean, it does force you to stand completely upright. Like, there's no... Yeah, there's your, no your posture got real good. Real <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was interesting. So anyway, I'm just saying that it, it's really cool. But they were also really cool with you there. Like, they, they took were. the time to size you and, like, yes. walk you through the different options. He actually tried two separate corset styles on you. He did. And, like, didn't do a hard sell, gave no. you, like, a pamphlet. Like, everything's pretty chill yeah. Um, yeah. at the convention. It is. Yeah. That, that booth was Timeless Trends, uh, is the corset company. They're based out of Austin. But um, but there there were a bunch of others, too, that were selling different kinds of corsets and attire. And, and some, some of our people got cloaks. You could buy some clothes. Yeah, you could buy all sorts of RPG clothes if you yeah. want to LARP or just... Have it for your home game and just stand out of the crowd. Sell, yeah, they sell a lot of LARP weapons there, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, they had the yeah. weapons, too, which was neat. Yeah, it, it's it's really cool. It's it's uh, th- Those were some of the things I enjoyed. And honestly, I there are so many games that are being run at Gen Con. And that, I mean, it's it's great. But it's so stressful to me because there's also so much to see. Well, it can be. And we're going to get more into that when we talk sure. about our tips and tricks. But, like, one thing that's really cool... Um, when you're walking the exhibit floor. And then also, um, the areas adjacent to the exhibit floor, there's all these companies that have games set up in, like, free play areas where you can go learn games or, like, play against other people. Um, and that's why I actually, I left uh, Gen Con with the Doomtown game, which is actually a uh, a living card game that is set in the world of Deadlands Reloaded, um, which is the, the RPG that I run on Saving Throw. So perfect for you. It really was. <laughs> And I knew the game existed, and I knew about it, and I knew that yeah. people like responded generally favorably to it, but I was like, nah, that's okay. Like, I, I do other stuff. But one of the cool things you can do at Gen Con is talk to the people behind these games. Right. Like, they are literally set up there 
to talk to you about their game. And like, these are the people who make it, who are passionate about it. Like these are, I'm sure some companies probably send out like, oh, here's just some people we hired to talk up our stuff. But a lot of the smaller companies, which make up, you know, let's be honest, most of the gaming right. industry yeah. um, are there like in full force. And these are the people who are passionately behind their games. So they sold me on it immediately. Like these guys were super cool. Um, I just stopped by because they they had uh, mentioned that they wanted to maybe maybe meet with us and talk with us because we run Deadlines Reloaded, and um, they in the course of that discussion I ended up being sat down at a table to learn how to play the game with a really cool volunteer who was there to like teach me how to play. Um, they talked about like the way they set up their their community and how like they try and make it feel really inclusive instead of like super cutthroat and competitive. And this guy just, like, I just loved everything he had to say about mm. the type of uh, setting they were trying to build around their game. And I was like, well, crap, I think I'm going to walk out of here with uh, with this game now. Cause, <laughs> and he did. Yeah, It was I a big did. deal because someone was like, Jordan's buying something that's not Savage Worlds. We're like, what? What could it be? I mean, but I still bought it from right. the Pinnacle booth. It's pretty so close. But it was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's very close. Oh. Um, but yeah, um, it, it, it's really cool. That's one of the cool things you can do there. There's so many, like, walking the exhibit floor... Um, all of these places have like game demos set up where you can literally just mm -hmm. step aside and they'll be like, hey, do you want to try and play this game, this new game that we're coming out with? And you're like, sure. And they'll walk you through it. You can play a few hands or, or, or whatever. Um, and, and being able to interact with those people in a person-to-person -person level as opposed to like that level of separation where you're just at a game store looking at boxes. Right. It's very hard to decide to like know if a game is going to be fun just from looking at the box. But being able to try it out, A, always helpful. Mm -hmm. And then B, be able to talk to the people about like their design philosophy behind it or like what to them makes the game special. And then uh, just being able to interact with them face to face like that is a really cool experience in the world of gaming. Yeah. Um, and I think it makes it uh, a really cool convention to explore because there's so many things like that that you can find depending on, you know, whatever your interest is in the, the field of tabletop gaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. One of the cool things that me and Jordan got to do was play in a game run by Carl Kiesler, which if you guys don't yes. know, he is like, I mean, I don't know if he has, has made a name for himself yet, but if he hasn't, he should. Oh, definitely because in, in the... In Savage the, Worlds community. In sure. the Savage Worlds community for sure, but in the gaming convention community yeah. as well, yeah. he is very well known. Uh, this guy does an awesome... I think he has a different game every year. He does. Well, based on like... He has multiple different games every year. Oh, he has he multiple? Ran, he ran eight games at Gen Con. So, eight different games? No, 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 no. So what he ran... He ran eight total games at Gen right. Con in two different oh. settings. Oh, oh, okay. So not only did he run the game we played, he ran yeah. a total separate game that he did all of the same stuff for. Um, so the game we uh, uh, got to play was called Trailer Park Shark Attack, Which I believe. was yes. just brilliant. Yeah, it was amazing. It was basically, uh, you got to play uh, of one of 24 pre-made characters that were just rednecks that live in a trailer park. They were all stereotypes. Super stereotypical and super fun, uh, like, hindrances and edges on them. And you got to pick, you didn't get to choose what it was, you just got one random because you were going to die, usually. Like, probably in the first hour you would yeah. die. So the premise was basically due to some, like, I, I think he had different settings, different yes. scenarios. Right. But in ours, it was an alien spaceship crashed and, like, broke a dam. Right. And then suddenly our trailer park was flooded, but also there were all of these sharks yeah. in it. So, like... <laughs> The game started with us on the roof of our trailers, like, trying to avoid sharks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was, like, to start out, just, like, why are you on top of your trailer or on this tree or something? You had to explain that. 
Yeah. And uh, we got to play it with seven people or eight people total. I can't remember. It was a big group, but it was so much fun. It was like he had props for every little thing. Every little character sheet was just customized with art, and it was that's, just so well done. That's the thing that makes Carl that make Carl's games like just above and beyond is his attention to detail. Yeah. is freaking incredible. Like I all mean, of our character sheets were on squares of cardboard. Yep. Um, our bennies were um, Pabst Blue Ribbon bottle caps that yes. were given to us out of a plastic flamingo. Yeah. He had little um, standee car- figures for all of the pro- possible permutations of these 24 characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then his field that we were playing on, he builds these amazing miniaturized uh, sets, essentially. Yeah. Well, I mean, just follow him on Instagram. Yes. He's just straight. Yeah. I mean, he's constantly posting these things. Uh, of, of the next game that he's designed and all of the cool stuff that he's prepped for that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's super impressive. Yeah. Just that is fun. I didn't even get to play. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that is still really cool. Yeah, I highly recommend signing up for his game if you guys get a chance and for next year. To, it is hard to. It is. Real quick. They go very quickly. But if you want to play in a game that has amazing production values mm-hmm. across every single possible category of tabletop role-playing game production value, you got to play in one of Carl's games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's Carl Kiesler, uh, Carl, K-A-R-L, and then Kiesler is K-E-E-S-L-E-R. And that is his Instagram handle as yes. well. So give him a follow if you want to watch some of the amazing little miniaturized things that he builds. He's a solid good dude. You will be impressed. Yes. He's also, yeah, just a super nice guy. Yeah. Like, a really great yes. GM, a lot of fun to play with. Like like you said, we were we played with a huge group of people. There were seven or eight of us, mm-hmm. but it, it did not feel like a slog no. in any way, nope. um, which it often can. So one thing that I was so excited about, and still I'm kind of excited about, was the fact that we got to run Wild Cards Live. Um, yeah. Oh, man. That was so cool. And so it, cool. Right? It was also streamed on Gen Con, and unfortunately, uh, the first, they were having internet troubles, so the first hour was down, but hopefully we'll still get that. But beyond any of that, it that was just, it, I mean, having a live audience, you know, we've We've all done some form of live performance before, but it was just to, to take something that we've never done for a live audience and put it in front of a live audience was really, really cool. Well, I mean, we've so we've streamed wild cards for a live internet right. audience before. Well, sure. But, but the diff- I meant in person. Right. Yes. And that was such a crazy difference to have people sitting in in the audience, in, in front of us on the stage, and be able to get that immediate feedback from yeah, people right. was such a crazy experience. And yeah. I feel like it turned the game into a really awesome game. It yeah. did, yeah. Um, it, it was That was so cool. <laughs> and that's another really cool thing you can do with yeah. Gen Con. Basically, I mean, Gen Con is... Uh, it and Origins are essentially the two biggest uh, North American gaming conventions. Yeah. Uh, Gen Con, I think, might be the biggest. I'm not entirely sure. I've never been to Origins, so I can't say that with certainty. But... Because of that, basically, if you enjoy watching uh, streamed RPGs or actual play stuff like that, most, if not all, of those people are going to be at Gen Con. Yes. Um, so if you have a favorite group, they're probably running some sort of live show at, at Gen Con, and you can go and watch it live, and it's a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. So we got to run Wild Cards. I know, uh, I mean, Critical Role does their live stage show there every year. Yeah. Um, uh, Theogony of Kairos was was there from Maze Arcana. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, the... Travis McElroy from the Adventure Zone podcast was was there. Mm-hmm. Um, doing he, did, he did a bunch of stuff. He did. Yeah, there's there's a bunch over there. You could fill your whole day with that if you wanted to. Yeah, you really could. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another really cool thing you can do there. And I highly recommend, if you are a fan of, of any of those kinds of groups or anything like that, try that out. Because it's it's a, a whole different experience to, to be like kind of 
all in the same space doing mm-hmm. that as yeah. opposed to like watching it with the the separation of the computer monitor between you. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a really really cool experience. Yeah. Well, it was cool. I imagine. Uh, trying to think. I guess I didn't go to any live shows beyond the one we did. But um, it's also cool to have the opportunity to be in the same room as other people who watch. You know, if they if they watch that show, it's just kind of cool to intermingle yeah. with everyone in a, in a way that isn't just a name on a screen. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was cool to meet some of our fans, and if you're a fan of any of those shows, you can meet the people that you look up to or are you know watching live on TV. And you can also meet the other people in the community that are yes, also watching. Even better, so it was really right. cool to get yeah. to yeah meet meet some of the people that were fans of Wild Cards, but also watch like see them get to meet each other in person too. Like that was really it was a cool experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's so great about Gen Con is the whole convention feels like a big community. Yeah. Like yeah. talking about Comic Con it feels angry almost in a yeah. way. Like there's so many people that are like, I need to get over here so I can get in line to get this exclusive thing and all of you are in my way. Yeah. Um, Gen Con just feels, on the whole, my experience of it has been very friendly. Mm-hmm. The, like it just, everyone is there to celebrate their love of gaming with a huge crowd of people that also are into that same thing. And there's a lot of families there. There's a lot of kids there. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really for, it, it feels like it's for everybody. And yeah. I think... You know, they, they run into the same difficulties that many conventions do, especially with people that show up in cosplay. Like, there's always going to be some some weird, unfortunate people that are going to do some stuff to kind of sour the, the mood. But on the whole, I feel like the, as the gaming community grows more inclusive, so too do the gatherings of gamers. And it just feels like a really positive place. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So if you're going to Gen Con for your first time ever... We've got some recommendations for you to make it the best possible experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting out uh, with uh, we, you, what you want to do before you even go, because Gen Con is sort of a ticketed event where you can sign up and pre-register for events before you even get there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we recommend you do because a lot of them, like we said, do sell out because they are a very popular uh, event that going on. So you want to identify those early on and get them as soon as possible. Well, not only that. But, like, you really want to sit down and identify what your goals are for the convention before you go. Like, so everybody goes to Gen Con for different reasons. Like, there's a lot of people that go because they don't have the chance. They don't have a regular gaming group. They don't get to do a lot of gaming throughout the year. So some people go to Gen Con just to play in as many game sessions as they possibly can. Right. And if that's something you want to do, you absolutely should know that ahead of time and plan for it. Because, yeah, registration opens... Uh, in May, I believe, when the convention's in August. Yeah, I believe so. And yeah. it sells out real quick. Yeah. So you need to be on the website before yeah. then and find the list of games that you want to play and put yeah. them on your wish list and then be ready to fight for spots on them. Yeah, not every win, but a lot of the popular ones do. So just be ready for that. And then uh, speaking of registration, uh, you can pick up your badge at the convention, but you can also get it mailed to you is what I'm told. Sure. Yes, so I recommend that. Highly recommend it because the line to pick up the badge... Uh, it's very long, the first day, and you can also do it the night before, which is what I recommend, but that's also a longer line. It's long every day. Every day we went to that convention, that line was long. Well, and here's the thing, too, though. If you if you pre-register with tickets for, for things, you're going to have to wait in that line at some point. Because sure. Will Call line is the that's only true. place you can pick up your tickets. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, waiting in that line 
at some point is close to unavoidable. Yeah. Um, we got we got Tyler Rhodes to do it for us. We so. did. Woohoo! Get yourself Ooh, a Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. But yeah, that is actually a good point. If you can bring, if you're going with more more than one or two people, and someone is willing to like wait in that line for you guys. Yeah. Um, I think the buy them something nice. Only reason he was able to do that though is because he actually purchased all of our badges. That's true. You, you have to do it yourself. Otherwise. Sure. That's pretty, true. Pretty sure. We'll do that then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, all of that is to say, you're 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 going to be in the will call line at some point uh, if you if you pre-purchase tickets to any event. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, well, another thing that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, so the first year we went, we stayed in an Airbnb, uh, and of course we were a large group with the saving throw group. Yeah, there um, were eleven of us. Eleven last of us. year, which was mine and Megan's first year, but yes. your second girl. Yes. Yeah. And then this year we did hotel rooms, and these, this hotel was within walking distance of the convention. And me personally, I much prefer that. I would, I much preferred having the ability to walk. And I think that would differ. Maybe, I mean, I think I would always want that, but especially with a large group of people who are inevitably going to want to do different things and go different places. To me, it was way better to have that ability. Now, of course, you could lift anywhere, or take a taxi, or whatever you want to do. But, but that gets expensive really get, quick. Yes, yeah. and they, they do tend to jack up those prices during the convention Yeah, time. yeah. It's a busy weekend. Um, so the way the hotel system works, if you don't know, is it's a lottery system. So basically, I, I uh, believe you register ahead of time uh, to be entered into the hotel lottery. Mm-hmm. And then uh, how do you you had some more experience with how that works. Yeah, I think you, you have to register ahead of time and then uh, you have to be there like at a certain time the morning of, which they I believe on they, the website. Yes, on the website to register for a hotel. I believe they give you like a, a general time of when you can sign in and start doing hotel stuff. So again, it's a fight for space. It yeah. is, yeah. Uh, and there's no guarantee that you will be able to get a hotel room. And even if you do, you can only control where the hotel is up to a limited extent and they can be pretty pricey during convention season yeah uh the convenience of being at the hotel was super great yeah Um, Yeah, it really was that was really really helpful so if you are at all willing or able to pay a bit more i I highly recommend yeah it's so worth it so worth it yeah but um for for those those of you who maybe uh have to be a bit more economical there are several Airbnbs in the Indianapolis area. Um, they tend to be a bit further away from the city center. So, yeah, you are going to have to lift well, or set up some sort of way to get I in. I will say, though, for that, um, you'll probably be able to find food easier. Especially also night. true. Yes. Because all of the, um, that's kind of another point, but all of the restaurants in the area, like some of them completely changed their menus to be like Gen Con focused, which is kind of cool. Pretty sure they also jack up the prices. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense. But anything in the downtown area... Uh, at meal times, really much, really pretty much at any time is difficult to get into, especially with a larger group. Yeah, so. Gen Con is just such a big event for Indianapolis in general. Like it just, it's such a booster economy for that one weekend having yeah. like a hundred thousand people come in. Yeah, so so that there is there is the plus to having an Airbnb further away or even a hotel further away mm-hmm. that you might not have to fight quite so many folks for food. That's true. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons to each. Um, so again, you're going to want to consider like your own specific needs. Like, are you with a larger group? If you're with a larger group, it's going to be hard to coordinate multiple, uh, ways to get to the convention center each day. So staying at a hotel might be better, but that also makes it a bit more difficult for you guys to get into a hotel because you're a larger group. 
Uh, so just just know you have to keep that kind of stuff in mind. But the traffic wasn't is not very bad no, in Indianapolis. Not at all. Uh, so you won't spend a lot of time like stuck on the road getting getting as there. As far as we know, I mean, honestly, we didn't have much opportunity to experience that. We did last year. Yes. I mean, we were staying about we were staying a good like twenty minute drive away from the convention last year. Right, but that could differ based upon where you're staying. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> but, but even the in the I, downtown area. But the way I understand it is that the traffic isn't too bad in general. I yeah. Do, I do feel like somebody said that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that's that's definitely something to consider. But also, so Megan and I made a huge mistake for our first year of GenCon last year, and uh, this is something I think it's really easy to do because yeah. uh, you get really excited when you're going. There's so many events you can you can register for, but do not overbook yourself. Yeah. Like that's that's why we're talking about why it's so important to identify what it is that you are wanting, like what your goals are from the convention. But unless your goal is to just play in as many game sessions as possible maybe just sign up for one or two games. Yeah. Um, because even one game is going to take at least four hours. Right. Yes. At least, which is almost half your day if you think about it. It really it is. is. And um, the exhibit hall's not open that long. If you don't care about the exhibit hall, then it's not such a big deal. Sure. Right. But if you do want, if you want to spend more time, like, especially if it's your first Gen Con, if you want to explore yeah. everything the convention has to offer, if you sign up for too many games before you even get there, you're going to severely limit your ability to do that. Yes. Um, so that's what we both did, actually. Um, I signed up to run too many games yeah. for my first year. I had never run convention games before. <laughs> I wanted to represent Saving Throw, so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll run. I, I signed up to run three games. That seemed very doable to me. Yeah. <laughs> two of my games were only um, two yeah. and a half hours long. Right. So I was like, I'm only running one four-hour game and, and, and two two-and-a-half-hour games. Like, this this will be a breeze. I missed out on so many cool things that the rest of the group got like to go into. throwing. Right, yeah. they all were like, because this stuff just kind of pops up. You'll find like, oh, hey, there's this really cool thing happening like over near the Lucas Oil Stadium. We're all going to go do that. And I'm like, I would love to. That sounds great, but I have to go run a game right now. Um, so I would recommend if it's your first time and you haven't yet identified what it is you want to do, sample a few things, but definitely don't overcommit yourself. You signed up for a bunch of uh, like panels and uh workshops well i just it was just one i just signed up for one like two hour workshop but that was one of those instances where and i think i signed up for a game but there's one of those instances where i was like well i'm gonna go do this workshop and everyone (laughs) else is gonna go eat dinner (laughs) yeah And, and while the workshop was cool it was all about cosplay materials it was cool but at the same time i was kind of like i think i would have rather hung out with everybody yeah 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 so yeah right. i mean you know again yes that's going to differ from person to person this year i didn't sign up for anything i just didn't i mean part of that was because i we had our own events we were doing we had uh, i had two panels i was on we had the live show so i was like well that's going to take up time already and we had meetings and things so that's maybe a little different but yeah same thing if you like know the group of people you're going with you know if they're going to do a bunch of stuff i mean there's also like even outside of the games, there's, like, experiences. I know there's, mm-hmm. like, some sort of... I know there's, what, it's called Live Dungeon or something? True Dungeon. True, True Dungeon. Dungeon. Yeah. There's that, but there are other things like that yeah. uh, that you can just kind of happen upon. Yeah. And, I mean, and sometimes the hours of those things aren't open very long, so there's definitely a lot to explore and find. Yeah. Also, if you get there and you decide, like, oh, man, I wish I had signed up for more games, there's two different options available to you. You can buy generic tickets, which are just, like, $2 tickets for, that you can use to get into any event. Right. So if you've identified a few games that you wish you had signed up for but that have already sold out, highly recommend get some generic tickets and show up when that game starts because in my experience 
almost never does everyone show up yes. for a game that, yep. is, yeah. that they bought tickets for. Yeah. So if if there are players that don't show up, you can just use your generic tickets to buy a seat at that table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there is free play set up all over the convention. Mm-hmm. Not just in the convention center, but also in all the hotels connected to the convention yep. center. That's actually where we played in Carl's game. It was yes. in a giant hall in the JW Marriott. That was just set aside. I know I said Marriott. You Marriott. said Marriott. Where, where? You, you gotta go to the Marriott. Where are you from? <laughs> where am I from? I'm from Marriott Town. Super Marriott Brothers. Super Marriott. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just this huge hall with all these tables where you can just grab a seat and like start up a game or like just wander over and be like, hey, like if, if you love meeting people, that's a great place to do it because like you can just literally be like, hey, what are you guys playing? Like, is there, yeah. is there room for another? Like, it's all free play stuff. It's kind of funny, and this is such a stereotype. There's a stereotype that people who go to conventions like this don't like to interact with other people. That I mean, and that may be true of some folks. I can definitely be that way. But uh, but uh, but it really is kind of cool because that's you you can go meet all yeah. these other people. They're your, like people. your people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is neat. Like, it's I really enjoy that. I don't necessarily you know want to like play with everybody new because I have anxiety about that. But the opportunity to be able to do that and to actually like meet people is super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's yeah. really cool. And I, and just kind of on that note, uh, this is something that's still, uh, it's still very tender for me. So I don't even know if I can really talk about it's it. Okay, it's okay, Joey. It's okay. Go on. Um, so last year I actually was going to play in one of Carl Kiesler's oh, games. Right. I had a ticket to Carl Kiesler's Kung Fury 2 game. Yeah. yeah. And I got there early, because it, it was like the first thing on a Sunday morning, which was the last day of the convention, and he had this amazing street-like scene set up, and all of the character sheets uh, were set up to be like the cardboard backings of action figure boxes, like yeah. old-school Kenner-style action figure boxes. I was like, this is incredible. When is everyone else going to get here? <laughs> so like, I was just sitting there having a conversation with Carl, and no other player showed up oh, for that game. Yeah. Nobody so showed sad. up. Travesty. There, nobody showed up. Nobody showed up with generic tickets. There was no one there to play except for me. And he was like, man, I'm sorry. If at least one or two other people had showed up, I still could have run it. But with just you, it won't really work. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. Because it looked awesome. Yeah, it looks so cool. Uh, so yeah. he, he was very cool about it. Uh, he, he was like, do you want to just keep a full set of these character sheets? I was like, absolutely I do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, like literally that's even, even Carl's games, which we said sell out really, really quickly. Bring a generic ticket to the table. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. always a chance that no one else will show up. Yeah, yeah. which is that's so crazy that that happens. I know. And I think like I because I remember that because I remember we had all oh there was a party the night before and we were oh, all like exhausted yeah. that night. Oh, we stayed up for forever. We, we up hung over. Like, we stayed up to like four a.m. And I remember you being like, oh, I really want to play this game, but man, I don't want to get up. But you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. And you did, and you got there, <laughs> oh, no. and then no one showed up, and you were like, crap. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so oh, that was so you couldn't even like like call us and be like, get over here, we'll play the game. Because you were all in the Airbnb, we all minutes away, very far away. Yeah. yeah. So there's another reason why maybe staying in a hotel is preferable. Yeah. You right? can call in your crew. I mean, maybe they were all hungover too, or maybe they wanted to do something else and chose to miss out on this. You know, that's a very real thing. FOMO is a very real thing at Gen Con yes. because yeah. you're gonna go and you're gonna be like, man, I wish I was doing that, but I'm also doing this. 
You're only going to see like 10%, if that, of the convention. There's too much. There's just so much. It's just not going to happen. Well, I mean, even just the Pathfinder, like Pathfinder, Paizo has its own room, giant room. Their own quadrant. Yes, of Pathfinder, Starfinder, whatever. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, Yeah, all these satellite rooms set up in the convention center, like so many game companies just have their own, like, demo and room areas where they're all just focused on that stuff. And that, again, is why it's important to identify what it is you want from the convention. Like, if you have a particular game company that you want to demo their stuff or, like, try out a new game they have or or anything like that, uh, you need to know that ahead of time because otherwise you're you're just going to find yourself wandering around, which can be fun in in and of itself. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, that's more of what I did this year. I was much more loose and free this year, and I had a great time because I just kind of got to follow my interest. But I knew that that's what I wanted to do after making the mistake of overcommitting myself to stuff last year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one more thing I think we should talk about. We, we already briefly touched on food. Oh, uh-huh. But eating can be a real difficulty uh, at yes. Gen Con. Um, it's a lot of people in the same location who all get hungry at around the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, and depending on the size of your group, like we had a huge group. Uh, I don't know that we yeah. went out to eat with less than eight people. Yeah, at we, any point. we had a lot, of, a lot of large meals and okay. I think our wait for each of those was at least an hour. Yeah. Oh, it was, it, at was, least over, it was at least over an hour. Yeah. Yeah. We were quoted an hour, but it was often yeah. an hour and a half or more. Plan for your dinner. If you have a large group, for sure, plan for your dinner to take a while if you're going to go like sit down at a restaurant. Yeah. Like we managed, there were there there seemed to be like these cigar bars seemed to be a thing down there. We found this one that was really cool. It was like this lounge with couches and you could sit down and you could smoke a cigar if you wanted to, you could also get drinks. Um, and we actually, while waiting for a table, sat in that bar for like an hour. Yeah. Um, so Which was know, really cool. It, it was really cool. It felt like a place where you would want to play a vampire the masquerade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. It, was, it was like underground and it was all dark and red. Yeah, it was really cool. But uh, yeah, but you know, one thing I will say though, um, they do tend to have, they have this whole area full of food trucks. Uh, and that's around a bunch of the other mm-hmm. restaurants. It's right outside of the convention. And then uh, there's also actually a mall attached to the convention center with a pretty decent food court. It does get busy, but there are actually some nice options, I would say. Again, yeah. by comparison to other conventions I've been to, it was way more accessible. It's yeah. very easy to get to the mall. You can just you can stay inside the whole time and just take this walkway across yep. to the mall mm-hmm. to get to the food court. And that's pretty much what we did for lunch almost every day because yeah. it's just so easy, convenient, easy and relatively fast. quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely, uh, for lunch, that's an awesome option. Yeah. Um, definitely do that. And then it also helps if you, if you plan much like going to like a Disneyland or something like that, if you plan to eat at just the slightly off times, like plan your day so that you'll be hungry either before or after the standard lunchtime. Right. So if you could get, if you could start eating lunch at like if you could get over there at like 10, 45, 11, right. which yeah. sounds miserable. Or <laughs> No, it doesn't. I love lunch. <laughs> if you could wait until like 2 o'clock in yeah. the afternoon to go grab lunch, That's yeah. more likely. your wait time well, re- is reduced dramatically. You could wait till 2 to eat lunch and then eat like dinner at like 8 or 9. <laughs> sure. Again, yeah, it would just again, slide your whole schedule. <laughs> like we, at, at one of the restaurants we waited in on Saturday night at the convention uh, at, at Gen Con, we waited for, I think, uh, close to an hour and 40 minutes. Uh-huh. And then once we got in to the restaurant, the wait vanished. Yeah. Like there was no one in line <laughs> yeah. behind us. Yeah. Um, so like that's the kind of thing if you can eat at weird times, uh, like bring some snacks, bring well, some easy easy uh, snacks with you. So like any convention hall, there are concession stands all over the place. But I saw one thing I'd not seen last year that I thought was super cool. There was a lady 
or I don't know if it was, I only saw oh, yeah. one, but there, I, there may have been more, but that had a food, a snack cart and she was just <gasps> cool. pushing it yeah, through the aisles and you could stop her and be like, Hey, I want, you know, Snickers or whatever. Uh, which I thought was just such a brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. So brilliant. I thought that was a cosplay or something. I don't know if it was real. <laughs> uh, well, oh. I'm pretty sure it was real. I guess it could have been a cosplay, but she might have still sold you snacks. Yeah, do you think she was cosplaying as like Snack Kartra? I or, uh, there's a lot of anime involving snacks. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, there is some food at the convention center. Uh, I can never wholeheartedly recommend convention center food. It's expensive. Yeah. It's expensive yeah. and it's like not I mean, quality. I, yeah, I recommend it over not eating. Uh, you sure. should definitely eat For because sure. you're going to be walking a lot. Oh, yes. You're going to be doing oh, a lot of things, using wear, your brain a lot. Speaking of shoes. Wear comfortable shoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wear comfortable uh, shoes. Make sure you get a good breakfast. Just eat something big in the morning if you can. Just a nice, like... Banana oatmeal. Uh, Velveeta bars. Get a coffee. <laughs> Velveeta bars if you're Jordan. I swear by them, man. I know you do. They can satisfy your hunger for you a crumbly. You know what I like? Bananas and cashews. Like cashews just jammed into bananas yeah. and you eat them? Straight like up. a no. Like a, some sort of fruit mace? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can do it that way, but no. Normally I'm I'll into just, that. I'll just like take a handful of like roasted cashews and, and then like have that and a banana. <laughs> just at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what she does. It's terrifying. <laughs> but seriously, like I... I plain to retain. I highly recommend that. It's like a... I mean, I don't know. It's an easy... Decently filling breakfast. I didn't see you eat a banana or cashews the yeah, entire weekend, I didn't so I don't know. Oh, okay. She didn't dare. <laughs> she doesn't come on. Yeah. <laughs> Ready for your banana mace? Here it is. <laughs> I shoved all the cashews in it. Any other tips or, or words of oh. advice for people going to Gen Con for the first time? We could talk about this forever, to be oh, honest. Oh, I know. Yeah, we could. I, I mean, I don't know. Just... Well, it, it's fun. It's a great experience. If, if you're at all interested in it, find a way to go. Go. Um, go at least or, once. Or go to another one. I mean, there, maybe there's one closer to you. Yeah. I can't speak on, sure. like like Jordan said, uh, Gen Con and then as far as we, we think, Origins are the big ones. So mm -hmm. I've not been to a smaller one unless... I did. We did go to one called Condor, um, which I guess was small. a Game Con. But yeah, that was like a, sure. there may have been 500 people at it, right. um, which was fine. So, you know, but even that, like if you're into that kind of thing, you want a place mm -hmm. to play games, do it. You know, yeah. that, that's also yeah. something. They, they still had a lot of events. They had an exhibit yeah. hall. I won some uh, uh, really cool art from an auction there. I mean, you know. But still, like just the size and scope and the people who are at Gen Con, it's just, it's worth going. It if, is, if you can, sure. if you're interested, if you can make it happen, highly, highly recommend yes. it. I don't think you'll be disappointed if you're at all into tabletop gaming. Yes, get yeah. your butt over to the Gaming Entertainment Nexus Convention. That's right, the Gaming <laughs> Entertainment Nexus. And if you're there and we're there, come say hi. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> That wasn't planned, even though it felt like it was. Uh, we would love to meet you. Um, so what do you think, guys? Should we move on to... The, the question of the sode. 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 So this week's question of the sode does not come from Reddit. No. This what? week's question of the sode comes from Gen Con. <gasps> because uh, Megan and I uh, went to college with Travis McElroy. We were yes. in the drama program with him. He was actually my mentor when I was a freshman in uh, college. And he invited us to go uh, and be guest speakers on a panel he was running for new GMs. Mm -hmm. Basically, it was going to be a thing where we discussed tips and tricks and then took questions from the audience about questions they had about their games. And there was one question that Megan and I uh, came across from someone in the crowd mm -hmm. that we thought um, was a pretty good question and, and maybe not an uncommon uh, scenario at your role-playing game uh, table. Mm -hmm. And the question essentially was, um, this GM had allowed 
her uh, players to roll randomly their attributes for D&D. Uh, and there was one player who just got super lucky with his stat rolls and was just far and away way better at everything than everyone else at the table. And her question was, since she had been having difficulty with this player, since it was very difficult to challenge them because they were just so good at everything, how do I kind of let... How, how do I modulate that person's power in a way that doesn't feel like I'm just nerfing them for no reason... And, but also give the other players at the table a chance to let their character shine. Like, what do you do if you get into this just statistical anomaly of a problem? Yeah, and I have a lot of different thoughts on that because it kind of there, there's there's a lot still left out of that situation that I'm unsure about. So my my first thing is uh, not that you should go okay, you shouldn't have those stats. But I would very much like whenever character creation is happening, be like, okay, let's talk about this. Because for me personally, and I know not everybody looks at it this way, but if I don't have a flaw of some kind, I, that's not going to be fun. Like it is not fun for me to be able to just do everything all the time. So that's one thing at the beginning. But, you know, maybe maybe that's not the sort of situation this GM was in. Or maybe that's not the kind of, you know, player that made that player was like, yeah, I want to, you know, have mm -hmm. all of these. Um, and so... Yeah, and I mean, also, like, if you are going to do random ability rolls, and someone rolls all awesome stuff, that feels like winning the lottery as a player. Yeah, sure, sure. After you're like, oh my god, I've rolled up so many 18s, yeah. how does this keep happening? This is amazing! And you don't want to take that away from them by going like, no, no, you're too better, you're too much better than everyone else, you've got to turn those into 13s. Yeah. Well, my big thing, in general, is just communication. So it's not so much like, hey, let's let's change that, but communicate and be like, okay, how do you feel about this? You know, like, let's, like, where this might go. I, th those are just my, that that's me as a player, what I would prefer. I, I personally don't really like rolling because I don't, I don't, I don't like putting so much on that. I mm -hmm. think I would prefer, I don't know, I don't like so much being on the numbers as much as I do on the RP. Sh sure. But. So one, th one, one way that's an easy fix for this problem, if you can catch it before it happens, is to not let yourself get into a situation where right. that's a problem. Random rolls can be a lot of fun, but one thing that is definitely a possibility is one player is just going to roll a complete suck character. Right. Or someone is going to run, uh, accidentally roll a complete god character, and you have to be willing to deal with that. If you don't want to potentially deal with that, Use point by, use the standard array, use something like that instead, and then you won't have to get into that issue. And some of that, you know, is maybe knowing your players. Like, maybe sure. you're like, mm, my players won't deal with that well, or I, sure. or maybe you're like, you know, my players can't handle that real well. Or Jacob but, rolls D6s real well, like, all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty sure those are loaded. Yeah. Uh, but, to me, but, but, saying she's in a situation in which, um, you know, maybe she's a new GM and, and didn't know to think of that or that that's just not something they wanted to do. Right. So let's I, I say think, you're already in that. Yes. Position. I think the best way probably to handle that is to uh, come up with scenarios that speak to the other players and the other character strengths. And, and, and again, this is a lack of information because maybe somehow, because I know Jordan, you've talked about playing in a game where there was one character that could just do everything. They were a high level Druid and they could just do everything, but most likely, you know, maybe the Druid, doesn't have as good charisma, so put them in more social situations in which, you know, the thief needs to talk the, their way out of something. Uh, to me, that's really the probably the best way to do it without 
context of the full situation. So I would actually say, because that was one thing that she specifically brought up as a problem, is that this character was had a higher charisma than the person who had focused on uh, like sure. interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. So they were always like, well, it makes more sense if I do it. Um, so that was specifically something she couldn't do. Sure. One thing that I offered up as a solution was, especially in games like D&D, um, character classes can be um, really, they can be really specific. There are certain things that only certain classes can do. Mm-hmm. So assuming you have this character who rolled, we, I don't think we knew what class that, that player was playing. Um, but assuming you have uh, a player like this who has rolled up this god, godly statted character and they're not doing one of those things where they're like, I'm going to multi-class as every class in order to get access to their special abilities, <laughs> um, which is just not a good idea. It's not. Um, but what you can do is like, okay, great. They may be really good at stats, but that doesn't mean that they can disarm traps really easily. You right. know, they may be really good at, they may have super high stats and really great skills, but that doesn't mean that they uh, can cast this type of magic. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you can kind of present situations where it's like, sure, they're great at everything, but really only the party's rogue is going to be able to handle this. Right. They may be great at everything, but if a rogue's, if a thieves guild right. comes calling, um, only the rogue is going to know the secret hand signals and the thieves can't in order to deal with those people. Yeah. Um, you can find those targeted uh, things that really zero in on your other players to give them a chance to shine in an arena that only they can. Well, and also I think she said something about, and I think maybe you mentioned this, but, you know, like, well, do I give all of the other players some, like, great magical thing and not this one? And, y- yeah, you could do that. I just wouldn't say do it all, don't do it all at once. Yeah. You, know, you make it, I mean... You, you, Jordan, have done that in games, too, where, I mean, like, just for example, in Wild Cards, uh, James, the character James Vogue found a life drinker, a gun that is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, it's not like we all found something. Oh, I think really we get powerful. those next season, is what you said. Oh, okay. Sorry. I've also given, uh, just, uh, just in these last two episodes, I gave uh, Jordan Pridgen's character a new relic that he doesn't even really know what it does yet. But once he does figure out what it does, it's going to help him shore up some areas that he was having difficulty with in the game as well. Right. Um, so you could do that. You could buff up your the other players but with magic items. Sort of what I was saying, though, with that is that you could do those two things in conjunction. I'm saying she said, I don't know how to do that. And I'm saying, do it. Focus on, like, go in the, conjun- the the thing you were saying, like, okay, this is a thieves' guild thing. We're going to have a whole session about our thief and needing to go and deal with the thieves' guild. And then through that they get something that's specific to them. Like, you could do, like, a whole session that's sort of focus on one character storyline or, or class or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, however your game is running. That, yeah. That's what I mean. And then that way, you can kind of give, to a degree over time, some of the other players uh, a magic item without giving into that one. Sure. Um, so the way I would deal with this problem uh, is that I would deal with it in the narrative, I would have the mm-hmm. world react to yeah. what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So there's one member of this crew that is really good at things. The bad guy's going to notice that. The bad guy's going to know that this is the guy that I should take down first if I want to eliminate this party. Also, the people in town are going to know that. And it depends on how this person's acting. If they're acting like, I'm a one-man army, like, use that against them. When they get to town, they're like, we'd love uh, Reginald to help us f- f- kill these bandits. He's like, all right, guys, let's go. He's like, no, we just want him to do it. Who are they? 
Like, just you. And he's like, I, I can't fight them all by myself. I was like, yes, you can. We love you. You're Reginald. And I was like, okay, wait, hold on a second. Maybe I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying put them in that situation to punish them. Make them realize that they aren't a one-man army. Sure. And if they want to act like that, they're going to be treated that way. Sure. Right. So if a battle starts, everybody's going to go after you because they know you are the one killing most of the bad guys here. Right. Another like, person on the panel said something very similar yes. to that. Okay. Uh, they said, so if this, if this person is, like, becoming, like, the standout person... Like the in the instance you gave Gruff, um, it becomes very easy for that to be the focus of like the bad guys, uh, your your evil organization or whatever. They're like, oh, we gotta find that guy. Yeah. So maybe you yeah. know if they start hanging wanted posters up all over town yep. that are for this person's face, they may be very charismatic and able to leverage their skills, but not if they're if they're <laughs> wanted. Like yep. they're gonna have to keep their identity covered up. They're gonna have to wear a cloak over their face. They may not be able to do the talking. Because if they do, they risk giving away their identity. Right. Um, so you can basically do the exact... Do you remember who said that? Was that uh, Victoria? I was, it was either Travis or Victoria. I think they kind of springboarded off of each other's so, uh, answers Yeah, for that. just so you know who was on that panel so they can get credit. It was Travis yeah. McElroy and Victoria from the GM from the Broadswords. And I forget her last name. Mm-hmm. But the Broadswords is an all-ladies... Uh, Actual play, group. actual play podcast, and then Erica Ishii as well from Deacon Sundry, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you do the exact opposite of honing in on the other player characters' like specific strengths, and you you attach uh, like narrative consequences to mm-hmm. this one person, you know, becoming the face of the group, right. this standout heroic figure. Like that comes with weights. Yeah. You know, like that that comes with expectations. That comes with obligations. Yeah. Like there are ways to go. Like hey. If you're going to be this, you got to be it all the way. Right. With great power comes great responsibility. Exactly. Right. Like any, exactly. any that's story that's good. ever had like a chosen one in it, like those chosen ones never have a good story getting to the end. They eventually get to the end and get a happy ending. But usually it's like... I'm going to correct you, Rob. I'm going to say any good story written sure. about a chosen one yes. does not typically <laughs> have them get everything they want Fair. all the time. Yes. Usually they don't. So like if this guy is becoming that sort of character, like make a prophecy after him, but make him suffer to get to the end of it. Sure. And uh, don't make it like suffering at a player level. Make it at a character thing. Yeah, you don't want to punish them yeah, for, don't... for randomly rolling up a really good character yeah. if that's the way you did it. You just want them to feel like they're a part of the group. Yes. And you also want the rest of the group to feel like they matter and they can do things too. Yes. yes. So you can throw them specific bones. You can narratively challenge the uh, this standout character so that they aren't able to bring their skills to bear in the same way. There's, But basically, you want to just try and like maintain an equilibrium at your table as much as possible. You don't want your players sitting there being like, there's no point for me to even be here because this guy can just do everything. Yeah. Right. That's a bad feeling at the table. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that answers the question. There, like we said, there's a lot of other things that could make this situation more specific that could make one of these things better over another, but yeah. I think there are a lot of options there. Yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. I think we answer that question. Definitely. Yeah. Good um, job us. So that's some uh, stuff about Gen Con, and if you guys went to Gen Con, uh, please, you know, uh, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you saw, yeah. what kind of cool things you saw, because like we said, we only saw like 10%, maybe yeah. 20 I don't know. And, and also, if you have your own uh, Gen Con tips and tricks uh, yes. that yeah, have served you well over the year, yeah. I mean, we are relative neophytes to this, uh, so if you're a hardcore Gen Con attendee, uh, yeah. share those, uh, tag us on Twitter at EXP Pointers Pod. Mm-hmm. Or 
to also talk about some other conventions because, like we said, sure. we, like Grav, I know you've been to probably a few more than, than Jordan. And I've I been have. to every convention every, ever. Wow, that's, true. That can't wow, be that's true. amazing. Yeah. Uh, but tell us about the other ones. Like, yeah. we know of some of them, but maybe there's some we haven't heard of that we could go to. Yeah, what do sure. you recommend? Yeah. 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 To bring us to your conventions. Yeah. We'll give you some nice banana cashew mazes. Yeah. You could eat them together. Yeah, those are, those are a, a Megan Kate specialty. You're welcome for that. <laughs> okay, guys, until next time. Let's go! This podcast has been a Saving Throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at expointerspod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at their respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Kellerman. Megan is at Megan Caves. And Grav is at double GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Saving Throw Show. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening.